This episode of the SFW Podcast is sponsored by ElectricalJungleShop.com. Yeah, that's right. We got a sponsor at ElectricalJungleShop.com. And we also got some teas out there. Show your love of support. Go visit the website. Buy some things. Let them know that going into business with me is a good thing. And, you know, hopefully it'll be a fruitful partnership on both ends. <laughs> Show your love of support. Get you some graphic tees with cool designs. We got one out one out we got a one out now for the SFW podcast. So check that out. I'm actually gonna go cop that one myself and wear it and that way people ask me about it. Oh, you don't know about this? This is that new new. You don't know about that. Listeners of the podcast can save money by using the promo code to check out SFW. So be sure to do that. Electricaljungleshop.com. Electrical like ooh baby it's electric jungle as in the amazon and shop all one word electricaljungleshop.com let them know i sent you welcome to the swf podcast with your host adrian who else would it be but me back again with an amazing episode with an amazing guest as always uh, Deborah Wooten Williams. I hope I got that name correct. Excuse me if I didn't. Uh, she's a motivational comedian, motivational speaker, and a comedian as well. She travels the country doing both motivational tours and doing comedy. And she also opened up for a lot of people back in the, like, the 80s and 90s and stuff. And she had a very interesting path in her life where she could have chosen to pursue stand-up comedy or stick with her family. And you can find out what she decided to do in her interview. So we're going to have that up for you later on. Ugh, it's been an interesting week. Well, yeah, it's been an interesting week. Um, unfortunately, at my job right now, man, I had to take a week off because someone came in and tested positive for COVID. Uh, so we all had to take the week off uh, while everyone gets tested. I tested negative. I'm always... Wear my mask. I'm always sanitizing. As soon as I go home from work, I take a shower. You know, I'm very vigilant about that. You know, because I can't. One, I can't afford to get sick. That means both like health-wise and financial-wise. Like I can't afford to get sick. And two, I always see my grandparents on the weekends, and I would hate to be the cause of them getting sick because I was working with somebody who had it, and then I go to go see them on the weekends, and then they get sick and get it, and something happens to them. Like, I, I, I couldn't live with myself if something like that happened, if I was, like, the, the go-between of that happening to them. So, <sighs> missing all work last week was, like, a real downer, man. Like, I'm trying to remain positive, but, you know, when you're in need of money, you got to pay bills and rent and stuff, you're wondering where the next check is coming from, and, and you don't have any money for this or that. It, it, it hurts. But I'm in a positive mood relatively. It's the start of a, a new week now as I'm recording this. So hopefully we can push forward and good things are going to happen with this and with the podcast as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope you guys are out there. You're supporting the podcast. You're listening. You're recommending it to your friends, your family. You know, you're, you're supporting. I appreciate the feedback and love and emails I've been getting. And if you really want to really, 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 really help out, like, keep it running and keep me from bitching about my job, please, please find it in your heart to donate. You go to the Cash App app at uh, AD Comedy Jokes, PayPal, AD Comedy, or you can email me with any questions, comments, or concerns at adcomedy at gmail.com. Now, with that being said... Usually do it the other way around, but let me see. This is a comedy show. There gonna be some topics of frank discussion that you don't agree with. But it doesn't mean that I'm here to spread negativity or hate. It just means I'm here to give a voice to the people who don't have one, or to give you a voice to people who you didn't know much more about before. That's my goal. <sighs> Man, it is exhausting. I was thinking rather than that, I wanted to like say what's been going on in the news but then I feel like it dates the show you know what I mean you know how, like you listen to a song and it's timeless because it doesn't really reference anything that was going on during the period like you can listen to a song from the 60s and it could be about whatever but because they don't mention what's going on there it feels timeless but I was thinking of doing that or mentioning something that happened so if this dates the show let it date but I have two things I want to address. One, 
uh, the Gorilla Glue girl, the woman who put Gorilla Glue on her hair, who's close to her 40s. She got it taken out. Uh, there was a, a brother who, black doctor, who created a solution to get it out of her hair for her. He tested it and got it out, and she was able to get her hair out, hair done right. You know, first of all, why would you put Gorilla Glue on your hair? It's crazy glue. I don't know much about hair. I don't know anything about hair. I used to keep my hair short. From what I've been told from black women is that there's something called Gorilla Glue, Gorilla Snot or Gorilla Spit that's used for hair and it's found in the hair aisle. And that's what you use in your hair. But she decided to use Gorilla Glue because she was out of some kind of regular glue for her hair. So you thought Gorilla Glue was going to be the the, 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 the... the problem is, and this is going to sound totally awful, and you know what? We can't... She's in her 40s, so she's not like a young person. She should know better. You've been on this earth how long, and you just did that now? Like, if you did that in your teens or your early 20s, or as, even as a kid, then I'm like, oh, wow, you're a kid. You don't know any better. But she was close to her 40s. She should have known better. Like, you cannot read that. You're not supposed to use that on your scalp or human flesh. And now she's trying to sue the company to get money from them. I just think that's ridiculous. Like, we got to pay for your fuck up because you're, you're supposed to be an adult and make a rational decision about life. But you're too stupid and we have to put... We have to put warning sounds on everything. You know, do not put on human body parts of any kind. Not for human use. You know. Uh, it's crazy. Anyway, it was that. And um, Trump got acquitted of a second uh, impeachment trial. Of course, that was going to happen. I don't want to get too political with it, but I was not surprised that that happened. But now people are saying, like, he can be brought up on criminal and civil charges now that he's left office. And we're going to see how that goes. Because I strongly doubt that anything's going to happen of him. He's going to fade into existence and still have his money and still have his... not Maybe not be as influential as he was beforehand, but he's going to still be around. And who knows how he's going to influence the future. Because he, he's still out there. He still has his minions out there. He still has his followers out there. Both uh, the civil and the political people out there. This is not about political party. This is about someone who's spreading hate and negativity. You know what I mean? So that has nothing to do with the political life. If, even, if you, even if you're a Republican or Democrat or whatever you want to call it. You can't stand for someone who's spreading hate and trying to divide a country. And have a fight with each other. Just so they can maintain a status quo of being rich. And, you know, that's, that's, I think I read somewhere before a long time ago, where that's something that the people in power used for the middle and lower class to maintain power. Oh, don't worry about all this money I got. What you need to be worried about is all them black people stealing your jobs, because that's what's going to end up happening. And you're like, oh, shit, they're going to steal our jobs? I didn't know that was going to happen. Did you know what's going to happen? And then it turns into something else. So they flame the flames of that and the hatred and racism to remain rich because they don't care. They'll do business with anybody who gives them opportunity to have money or has money. You know, I'm not a political person. Oh, believe me, I, I barely know what's going on in the news nowadays. All I've been looking forward to with this Joe Biden administration is, OK, when are you going to do the $1,400 stimulus check? Or when are you going to release more money for the people who need because we need that money? We've been in lockdown for close to... A year, people have lost their jobs. People have had to change jobs. People are, what's going to happen? So even with Biden, I'm still kind of skeptical about what's, what's going to happen. But other than that, man, it's going to be a good show. Hope you enjoy it. Oh, I had a question for the audience because uh, I didn't do it. The next one you'll hear. Um, my question for you: Where are you rapping? Uh, area code number. I can say 202 or 301. That's DC or Maryland. Let me know what you're rapping, where you are. I just wanted to get a good idea of where people are from who are listening to this. Here's a brief thing I learned today. I always like looking back at World War II and wondering, you know, why it happened, how it happened, things like that. So it's interesting to realize that World War I and World War II happened not too long after one another. I mean, I don't know the exact years, but come on now, if Hitler was old enough to serve in one war and then old enough to lead the second one, it couldn't have been that long apart. (laughs) 
But uh, anyway, so I thought when a country was neutral to war, that meant like we're not going to get involved, period. Like we don't want anything to do with it. We're cutting ties on both sides. We're neutral, whatever, whatever. But it turns out Switzerland, although neutral, collaborated with Nazi regime, financially backing them by hiding German wealth in its banking system. Sweden allowed German troops to use its railroads uh, during the invasion of Russia. They also allowed the Norwegian and German soldiers to travel across the uh, country frequently. Later, they allowed Danish and Norwegian refugees to train in their country for the eventual liberation of their countries. Um, Liechtenstein remained very much out of the conflict because of their historical ties to Austria and Germany, they had their land taken by Allied forces. Spain was too torn up from their own civil war, but they sent aid to fellow fascist countries to help out the war. Now, the Irish, Ireland, people overwhelmingly voted to stay neutral, but 34,000 Irishmen volunteered to fight for the British forces. 34,000 Irish guys decided to fight with Britain. If you know anything about the war between uh, Britain and Ireland, with Ireland trying to gain their own independence and things like that. That says something about them, you know what I mean? Portugal exported goods to both the fascists and the allied nations. Uh, Andorra was used as a smuggling route between Spain and France. It was occupied by Charles du Gilly when he retook France from the, with the allies. The Vatican remained untouched during the war despite harassment from both Germany and Italy. It gave refuge to some Jews and it allowed its walls to be used for communication between the Axis and Allied forces. So somehow the Vatican remained untouched. You can say that's the power of God or whatever you want it to be, but I just think that it's all whatever. Uh, that's what I learned uh, throughout history. I know it's a little scumble that I was reading, but uh, yeah. I always thought that when a country says they're neutral from a war going on, that, that means like, hey, you two find it out, we're not gonna get involved. But a lot of times what ends up happening is like whoever comes to them with the best deal, yeah, we're not gonna send you forces and resources to fight, but if you wanna use our our resources to help you know, our banking system, our land or whatever, you go for it. I just thought that was kinda interesting. Alright, coming up next is the interview with uh, Deborah Wooten-Williams, motivational speaker, comedian. Uh, be sure to show some love and support to her, man. She has an amazing story. Hey, welcome to the SFW Podcast with your host, Adrian. I have a very special guest here today. Ms. Deborah, can you introduce yourself? human cheerleader exactly I just encourage you to look at the at the cans in life and, and what you can do in spite of all the adversity that life has been there's I hear something repeating after me in my ear an echo oh that's I have the uh, speaker hooked up to get to pick up the sound better oh okay well you know I'm, I'm used to hearing voices in my ear so I <laughs> So I probably. Okay, just another voice. <laughs> I probably should. <laughs> yeah, just to just just to pick up the audio with the with the uh, the Zoom thing. I'm sorry, I should have mentioned that earlier before we started. Oh, that that you know you didn't catch the prize, old lady. <laughs> you know, my birthday is Monday. I'll be 65 years old. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, thank you. You tell us how you, you got. got to celebrate. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Back in 
1950s. That and long ago. Napoleon, I myself. Wow. And
love. A baby is a pure example of love. You, you know, the baby don't care what you look like. You got my milk, it's on. Mm-hmm. They love you. They accept you 100%. But somebody violated our innocence to love and accept people for who they are right where they are right now. And it's usually our relatives, our little friends that we trust to tell us the truth. We repeat it. And then when we grow up and meet these, those people, then we realize somebody lied to me. All the people that are like that. Now, you know, being a, a, a disabled, poor black child in Chicago, they did not expect very much from me. They expect me to be a burden on society. But I look real hard for the can. And so I met a can. When I was 10 years old, I got to meet Dr. Martin Luther King. He came to Chicago to do a sleep in the park. Now, I came from a pretty dysfunctional family, but you know how both families, they get together when it's time to eat. I don't care what the heck is going on. Everybody home. Hey, but they get your stupid cousin. I'm home with my plate. You know, we we gonna get together. Mm-hmm. So we were at the park with the family. And Dr. Martin's team was across the field. Getting ready to stand on a little makeshift stage. And there was a lot of a lot of men around him. And yeah, it was hot summer day. He had a white short sleeve. Uh, dress shirt on. So I uh, said, uh, uh, my, uh, my daddy, uh, my daddy said, that dad does the monster the king. And I love my daddy. And my daddy always say, baby, you know you look just like my sister. Oh, you look like my sister. And I was proud of that because uh, my daddy was a good looking man. Nice little mustache and a gold teeth. And I was happy with that until I saw my auntie. Oh. And that much that didn't go to that look the same on her. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, anyway, back to the story. Mm-hmm. I always sidetrack, so. Not a problem. I, I, I found my way back to the main line. <laughs> Everybody wanted to get to the main line. So there I am. Uh, with my daddy. My daddy grabbed me by my arm and he said, let's go over there and shake Dr. Martin Luther King's hand before all these people see him. And he just grabbed my arm and he ran like a linebacker right through the crowd. Grabbed me and my brace through my head. We get up in front of Dr. King and he just breaks through the crowd of men. He goes like, and grabs Dr. King's hand. Hello, I'm Big Dr. Bingham and this is my little girl, Tim. And then Dr. King stopped everything he was doing for a few brief seconds. And he looked right at me in my eyes and he said, How you doing, baby? <laughs> I was blushing. <laughs> I just started washing my hand again last year. Uh, it was so special. Mm, I'd imagine. But Dr. King said he wanted his children to be known by the content of their care. Not the, not the, and not the color of skin. Right. I even added on there, or their physical ability. To look at it as a capability, not a disability. Mm-hmm. And they gave me strength. And so in those days, they didn't have ADA and ramps and elevators to go places. And we had to, we had to fight for our rights as disabled kids. Much less me fight to be a black girl. I gotta fight for everything. Simple things like when I was in high school, just to have a person in the girls' bathroom. Or well, you might fall if we have to look at you. Well, guess who else looking? Horny, handicapped boy. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with the chest out. <laughs> we had to make lunchroom strikes in our parents' office and sign a petition to get curtains in the girls' bathroom. That's how irrelevant we were to society, I felt like they didn't value us. So I learned to fight early. 
So now, you know, as an example, where was I going to find an example of how I'm supposed to be with braces on, wallet, and, 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 and where's the, where's the can that I can do it? So what, you know, you remember when you was a little kid, the same mamas would come to school for everything. Yeah. Remember those mamas? Mm-hmm. Well, we had a mama at the handicap school. And she had polio, just like her little girl, who was my best friend. But this polio lady, she drove a car. And she was happy. All the things that alcohol had stolen from my mother. My mother was very thin. She stayed at home. She didn't drive a car. She didn't come to school by my little school program. But this polio mom did. She drove a car. She was heavy set. But she always wore pretty flower dresses. Her hair was her hair was always done pretty, and she always smelled like Avon and fresh. <laughs> I do love her, <laughs> and she would be so happy, and she put a piece of candy in your mouth, and I don't let the kids see that. She'd be all happy and stuff, and she'd be sitting in the audience watching our little program. We'd be on the stage in, pe- in pecking order, you know, wheelchairs in the front, crutches in the middle, walkers in the back. And she be sitting back there, her arms crossed, her bosom proud. And I look around, and I said, again, my mom would never come to nothing. I wish my mom would come to stuff. You know, when I grow up, I think I want to be a mama just like this mother. So I went home and I prayed to God. I said, dear God, when I grow up, I want to be a big fat mother that can drive a car. <laughs> Guess what happened? You got it. I got my blessing. So be careful what you ask God for. <laughs> Make sure you're detailed. I want to lose 10 pounds. No, you said you want to be your big fat mama. <laughs> and I can drive a car. That's right. Now I have five. I have five children. After I had the three and I found out I wasn't both happy, my husband didn't wake me up for the last two. So, I, so there you go. So, uh, is this a kid? This a kid show? Okay. No, 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 don't worry about it. Language that was countless, yeah, though. Yeah. That was countless, though. Was that too a joke? I don't want to burn up my ears. <laughs> because, you know, I have polio during the day. When, I, when I'm at the nightclub and I'm doing my stand-up, I'm a polio host. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's delicious. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to ask you, um, growing up uh, disabled and and um, being black and female during the uh, civil rights movement, who did you personally look up to to kind of inspire you? As you said, the lady, um, the, the lady that was at the school, but like you know how we identify with people on TV and how you eventually got into comedy. Dr. King. Dr. King was the one. Was he, was he, well, like, um, I'm trying to think, what's like the, was he, um, I was going to say, was he well known? Of course he's well known, you know who Dr. King is, but, I mean, at the time, was he, was it, um, like, did everyone know who he was, or was it just us that knew who he was? Well, the park was, you know, Chicago very segregated, mm. so it was an all-black park, it was a holiday, so he was packed. So, but we got to get to him before the big crowds ran over and Noticed that he was in the park. Okay. So, um, but I wind up knowing that I had to fight too for our rights of being disabled kids. Um, in high school, I used to be the same really good, but I had a, but I had a throat injury, screaming at my kids. <laughs> but before that, I used to be the same. They had an all-city chorus. The best of the best singers of all the high school choruses, and uh, the, those, those kids was picked, he handpicked to be in the all city pre primal choir. 
they let handicapped people in there. But my teacher thought that we could be it. We should at least get an audition. So they sent the teacher out to get an audition. They sent hard music that we, that we couldn't rehearse. We just had to sing it. And it was four of us. So when the list came out to see who made the choir, all four of us made it. And so we, we did a, a ground a groundbreaking thing there because now disabled kids can also be chorus. Mm. And girls can have their privacy because they have now they have doors. <laughs> In the bathroom. Mm. But you know what? I, I want to get back to Miss Butler. When I when I talk to ask God to make me a mama like her, that meant that I'd be a sober mom, that I took care of myself, that I found joy, and that I thought my kids was important enough for me to go to school and see about them. And so Miss Butler was always so nice to my mother, no matter what condition my mother was in. Always nice to my mother. And when I went to her house, she treated me just like I was one of her daughters. And and, and so she didn't get, you know, so far for us say, be like me, your mother's like me. Just by her behavior, she was able to help me break a three-generational curse of depressed, alcoholic women in my family. That's when I realized that all of us have that life-changing power to change another person's life just by the way we act. You don't have to make do any special, but there's someone watching. It might be your child, might be a student, a co-worker. It could be a stranger on the street, but they watching you. When they grow up or mature, guess what? They're gonna be just like you. You look a little silent there. What's wrong? You're no, quiet. no, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm letting you talk. Yeah, I mean, just, just imagine. <laughs> we're all creating Yeah. And that's a lot of power when you think about it. Yeah, influence another just person's your, life. That's your example. Yeah. You can, you can, you can help make somebody's life better or worse. Cause they gonna mimic you, mm-hmm. and so knowing that strategy, when I got married and had children really early, I realized that my kids—they watch everything you do. They even wanted to walk like me. I, I couldn't have to hold on to the handrail and take a step and pull my leg up to get up the stairs, and they would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure. Pressure. 
in a very dark place. But if you can, if you just, but you want to just be a regular piece of charcoal, don't nobody want to touch you. You're messy. <laughs> if you want to be a, a diamond, you better hold on to your boots and bra straps because you're going to go through something. But once you're a diamond, nothing can cut a diamond open. And there's no such thing as the perfect diamond. Every diamond got a flaw. But that don't mean you're not a diamond. So, at the age of 64 and a half, I am still being adding carrots to my diamond. I'm like, <laughs> when did you decide? When did you decide to get into comedy? I was, it was in 1987, and I, after I got divorced with my, my first husband. But uh, I've been married 41 years. Congratulations. That, that's four husbands. Oh. <laughs> like, they're like college friends, they're cute. <laughs> Tacoma, Washington. My first husband's family was there. I did take a trip around America because I, I, I ride a Greyhound bus. Uh, I started uh, riding around the country on the Greyhound bus back in the 80s. Um, I wanted to take my kids to Disneyland from Chicago. And so I asked my little girlfriend. And so we this, we uh, made a team called WWOW, Wayward Women on Welfare. It's wet. And we braid hair, we croak, we, we was making baby dolls and doing hay, all kinds of babysitting. And we saved our money for nine months and we bought some Greyhound bus tickets. And we all went to Anaheim, California and went to Disneyland. And when my kids stood at that gate, they didn't know how I got there. 
they might, a lot of kids might have came in limousine, so whatever. We came on the Greyhound bus and did this thing, but when we got to that gate, didn't nobody know how, who I, well, I, my status was. We was equal. And I told my kids again, there's more than one way to skin a cat. But I got to see how big this country was. And I said, I don't have to be stuck here. So my, my first husband, I call him my husband. My husband's family live up here, and they said, come up and watch. I, I went to several cities. I even went to Canada. And look, I know I was getting out of Chicago. When I came back, I, I, I decided to come there because I had the family support. So I spent $5,000 ahead, and my relatives found me a house and furnished it and everything. And so I came up there to my own house. And so I had to, I went and joined this, uh, this place homemakers club class to help me build my self-esteem and they had a club called Toastmasters and they said Debbie you'd be a really great Toastmaster I had never heard of Toastmasters in my life I was like yeah I can sell some toasters and make some extra money because I thought it was like a like a uh, Amway or something mm-hmm. Avon you heard of Toastmasters before haven't you? yeah the motivational speakers Yes, I had no idea. That's what it was. So in that in that club, I was very successful in the human speech contest. And I went all the way up to national levels, first place. Now all of a sudden, I'm on talk shows. I'm on radio interviews. This little poor crippled woman from Chicago with five kids. Now I'm on TV. Who'd ever think? Because I want a Toastmasters speech. So I was at work one day, and when you heard on the, uh, uh, in the coffee room that Sinbad was in town. And so my, uh, they used to have a contest at this nightclub. So my boss told me, you guys take your crazy butt down here. <laughs> so I went, and Sinbad was the judge. Oh, and wow. I was in first place. I only had one, one uh, joke, and it was a fact. <laughs> and Sinbad, when my, uh, when my last child was born, Contest with Sinbad, so this is 87, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, and he said that magic words, not, I don't want to say magic, but that special words to me. He uh, said, I want to see you backstage at, after my concert. We had jam together, and he said, Debbie, you are a very funny black woman, and you can be a stand up comedian. That word right there, I didn't hear much of that word in my life. But he told me I can. He said, I'm going to hook you up with some promoters up here in the Northwest, and you're going to have to work probably four or five years, but you got it. And so in that four or five years, I got to open and do comedy with all the greats. Everyone, all the all the uh, kings of comedy, Jamie Foxx came to my house after I did a show with him, and he told me, you got to come to L.A. <laughs> This is where we all going. <laughs> and he drove around. He's so down to earth. He drove around my station wagon and everything. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> but I had five kids. And I, and I just got to married. To my second victim. I mean, husband. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Chris, Chris Rock. Yeah, Chris, Chris Rock. And, and uh, hanging out with all the greats. Mm. But you gotta be there. 
gotta be ready to go on stage. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta be there. Yeah. And uh, I, God gave me my five kids first, so I decided that I better go back to the coma. And I'm glad I did. And uh, I, because after my, and I was doing my motivational speaking as well, and I got to tour the, the country with last night. And Yala Van Zandt and Maya Angelou doing black women conferences, American women on tour conferences back in the early 90s, midnight. And they gave me a lot of practice. And so I just kept I, I, doing my comedy. I, I was, I could drive better than I could walk, so I was a road dog. I, drove, I did comedy in Montana, Idaho, I drive all the places. But my main, my main money was motivational, motivational speaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've had like about 50 universities and colleges I was commenced to speak for. And instead of comedy for this too. There's two different uh, shows, the, the comedy club for the students and commencement speaker. You can do it. <laughs> Uh, I did a lot of corporations, a lot of retreats for different businesses, and that and that became my finance. And I and, and so funny, '95, my husband who who did drink, smoke, do drugs, nothing like my first husband did, a Christian, got depressed and ended his own life. a very dark time and uh, I found out how not, I don't want to say ignorant but naive a lot of people are about suicide and their survival things you just don't say so I decided to pick up that battalion and, and uh, be a part of suicide survival uh, but I wasn't scared of marriage I again got married married again in 1997. And uh, he was my soulmate. And, and he was my road dog. I had a, a production company, but I, he was my person that went with me. And uh, I lost him to lung cancer in 2013. And I almost lost my man. And that's how I moved down before the door there. And the, the, the comedy had changed. And these young kids that came up, and they never really, really heard it. They were just a little tight circle. And they didn't know about Debbie Lewis. So I came down here and hit a couple of mics. And now my my, my name is called The Beast. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've won a lot of international comedy competitions. Because attitude, it's not the body, the body will change on you. I mean, I've seen everything up, sitting tight, perky, go down, low, and swing. <laughs> so I, you know, I got, a, I got a good little story about the, the metamorphosis I've been seeing my body go through. Besides having a... Oh, your screen went out. Oh, there you go. Sorry. Okay, it's, uh, these two jumping down. And it's instead of having uh, polio, mm-hmm. and it's a mess. <laughs> I didn't get, a, I didn't get a few. God didn't give me no break about all the other normal stuff that happened. You know, like boobs going down. Can I say boobs? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. You know, see, young women got boobs, but old women. We develop boobs, <laughs> and there's a difference. These boobs fit up nice and perky, they're strong. You can put your credit card, your phone in your boobs. <laughs> and they say, I got it, because I'm strong. I'm a boob. <laughs> but when they become bosoms, I put my phone in my bosom, it drop down to my underwear. I say, well, that's too heavy. You can't, you can't hold that. <laughs> 
they're multi-talented. And I, I don't mind having, I breastfed five kids, so that's a surprise to my baby. I, my boys love me breastfed. That, you know what, I breastfed all my boys. And all they, all, now they all have thick mustaches. Some of the trash marks from lips. <laughs> <laughs> from breastfeeding. <laughs> Have you done done that's the that's Zoom that's comedy? Successful attorney. Some, some would say that's probably the better the better route. You know what I mean? Especially everything these football players go through. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe I'm just being selfish. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all the hard work I put in, I'm going to want a little return. I understand. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know. Now I can't ask them for a pack of Kool-Aid. Well, let me ask my wife. I got to ask 
<laughs> I used to be on the front burner of the stove. Now you just put me in the freezer. <laughs> no. I got 17 grandkids. Ooh. I got two da- uh, granddaughters in medical school. Mm. We have five lawyers in our family. We need some doctors. And uh, so I'm writing the second book because people want to know what's the recipe, Debbie? How did you do that? I said, well, you know what? Um, I, raised, I, I, I see these new parents are doing something with their kids. Old school parents never did. They're actually letting their kids think and make a decision. Mm. See, they're raising their kids with question marks. We was raised with an exclamation mark. <laughs> they ask their kids everything. You want to eat this for dinner? You want to wear this outfit? Yep. Don't you think it's getting late? Should you go to bed now? <laughs> the kids are confused. What ain't you mama? Don't you know? Right. <laughs> Who's in charge? Our parents were, our parents were in charge. They were parents. He mm-hmm. Put this on. And keep ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. They were leaders. There was only, it's only one question you should ask a little child. Do you know what that is? You got some red money? <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I remember that. I want McDonald's. You got McDonald's money? <laughs> you got some, you got, yeah, you got some red money, then we can talk. You get, you get to put your, put some in the conversation. <laughs> if not, it's only one way, my way. That's it. I, I just raised them, but if there was, I didn't raise them really in a, a democracy. It was raised more in a dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, it, it was love, you know. I mean, you, you weren't. I a... had to, you know, I had to be extra, extra, uh, not hard because I was supposed to fight mama. Mm-hmm. You know, but I was. There was consequences for your actions, and so <clears throat> I didn't want to raise no white beater and, and whooping my kids all the time. So I did psychological punishments. <laughs> like my son is a lawyer. He was in his seventh grade at the time and his grades was dropping so I looked at him as him and read the report card and I said so uh, it looks like to me uh, you want to be a street sweeper when you grow up no I don't want to be a street no your grades say I want to be a street sweeper now ain't nothing wrong with that that's good clean work my daddy did it back in 1932 but I didn't know you were going to make a Sorry to hear that. So I had three husbands in a row. 
but I still believe in the sanctity of marriage. <laughs> so I have a friend that gave me a ring. Special friend. Mm-hmm. So you know, old ladies, we don't have boyfriends, we have friends. Mm-hmm. He said it don't have no diamonds in it. So I call it an onion ring. It's still a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, yeah, no. I got an onion ring on. I'm good. Miss Debbie, where can people find you on social media or online in general? They can find me. Okay, my stage name is Debbie Wu, but my uh, my Facebook name is Deborah D E B O R A H Wooten W O O T E N hyphen Williams. Look at that. What's the Instagram one? You didn't you didn't give that one out. What? The Instagram handle, uh, name. I got a name on Instagram. I don't. I just know that. I just, I just uh, know I'm on Instagram. I oh, don't. you just know Instagram. You don't know the the at Instagram at. Okay, I, I'll find out for you. I'll put it in. I don't, I, yeah, why don't you find out for me? And let me know. I don't know. <laughs> I just know uh, people come on there and be my friend all the time. Somebody's on the hook. I don't, I don't even know. I'm so technically, in fact, I'm doing this interview on my cell phone because I couldn't find the Zoom thing beating on my laptop. That's all right. I'm, I'm over here. I like to call it to sound to sound better. I call it a minimalist podcast, but basically means I have no money. <laughs> but you ain't gotta look like that though. You can dress up and you can put on some Dollar Tree uh, pictures on the wall like I did. <laughs> what they're going they're going up That's what kept me melting my mantra. I said, 
So when I got stuff and I was trying to raise my kids, I said, Jeffrey, you're a tree. You're a tree. Here's your fruit. You got to go fertilize. You got to energize. And that's how I always, that's how I get myself up with my, with my children. If I didn't look nice, then how would keep my girls look nice? If I uh, don't think reading is important, then how are they going to think? Right. Such a powerful story you have. Also, your books, um, I mean, you're still in the process of writing, of course, I'm going to let people know to follow you, of course, when it comes out to support your books when they come out. Thank you. The second one is, it's the second one on family, on raising kids, it's called You Can't Hit, You Gotta Outwit. You can't, say it again? You can't hit, you have to learn to outwit. You can't hit, you gotta learn to outwit. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And that's the other one, I'm not black, I'm polio. <laughs> Right. So I am. I am. I do really want to um, get serious for a real relationship with mm-hmm. that onion ring. So I'm, uh, the next husband, I'm going to get him straight out the mental health skills, so they come with a chart. Yeah, so. <laughs> Track the progress. I'm old. I need a man with instructions. <laughs> At least with some benefits. <laughs> I got. I got. Well, I got. I want the chart. Okay. I'll make sure he don't he don't do nothing crazy I don't already know about. So I want to preview. So <laughs> oh man. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. You are so welcome, sweetheart. And I really uh, hope that your audience uh, got a little something something. It's like it looks like a buffet. It's something that everybody. Right. As I like to say before I sign off, I like to do a positive message. Do you have a, your whole interview has been nothing but positivity. Uh, but before I do mine, did you have anything particular in mind you wanted to share? Just a little message of positivity to spread out there to the ones. Well, yes, I, I encourage everyone to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, I've already been a victim of one pandemic because I didn't get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So there's a price to pay. It and I know every, a lot of people are still nervous about it, but I went, I did it. I'm, I'm like this, I'm taking one for the team. We're all test dummies, everybody taking this. Yeah. We're all test dummies, but they don't, they really they haven't seen the head of the vaccine out long, they haven't seen the long effects. But I got grandkids, great grandkids gonna be coming up, and so if they have to, if I die and they have the side effects, they can just dash check my butt, make it a better clear for the next generation. Mm-hmm. I'm taking one for the team. But I was really, when I went to go get my vaccine last week, I was cute. I had my hair done. I was, like, <laughs> I was my outfit was nice. And I had matching underwear in case I fell out. Fell out because they gave me a shot. I was going to be the cutest COVID corpse you ever seen. <laughs> so I say, get the shot so we can get back to our lives. Get the shot, definitely, definitely. Let's open some stuff up, be social again. Get the vaccine. Right. As I like to say. <laughs> oh, thank you again. And uh, I'm, this is just me signing off. I like to say, uh, no matter when you are, how you are, or where you are when you hear this, remember that I love you. I love you too. <laughs> thank you again, Debbie. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Adrian. God bless you. Thank you.